I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm talking to you about prophecy, particularly the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70 weeks. I'm trying to tell you the purpose and the length of it because it's not what you think when you look at 70 weeks. 70 weeks. And I'm trying to show you when it began and when it ends. I believe the 70 weeks ends at the end of time. I believe we're headed right towards the 70th week. And the 70 weeks are determined upon the people of God. Let's look at it one more time. Go over to Daniel, the ninth chapter. Daniel 9. Most people are not familiar with the 70 weeks. The 70 weeks, let me put it this way. The 70 weeks has to do with Israel liberated from 2,600 years of captivity. What I'm amazed at is in the Old Testament, Israel was a nation. And God warns them. He says, if you go after any other gods, he gives this warning at the beginning of the 40 years in the wilderness. That's where Moses left, led them out of Egypt. And he's liberating them. They were a nation under kings from 1 Samuel unto Second Chronicles, through Second Chronicles. The Jews called all these books, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, they called this one book, they called it the Book of the Kings. Of kings. Now, God had warned them before they became a nation, you got them under judges. Before that, Joshua, he led them into Canaan's land. Before that, the 40 years in the wilderness. Before that, they were in, they were in Egypt for 400 years. And everybody knows about the 400 years of bondage in Egypt. Very few people know about the 2,600 years in captivity. That is amazing to me. that Most people don't know that Israel was very evil and very wicked in the Old Testament. And every one of the writers, whether it's uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nam, all the minor prophets, the major prophets, they're all talking about that very thing, why God's punishing Israel. And they're going to be in this captivity from the time northern Israel was carried away. Northern Israel was carried away in 722 B.C. Southern Judah was carried away in 586 B.C. And northern Israel was carried away by the Assyrians. And it was all because of the way they lived while they were a nation under kings. This is the kings right here. This is all the kings of Israel right here. Other than one. The, what was the, What would be the one that's not on? Huh? No, no. These are legitimate kings right here. Who would be the king that's not on that board? Because she's up there. Oh, God. God, God. God was their original king. Jesus was the king of the Jews in the Old Testament. That's why he's called king of the Jews in the New Testament, because he was king over in the Old Testament. When you look at Hosea, the 13th chapter, he says, I was your king. You look at the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel. Samuel was setting up Saul for his coronation. He said, don't go after other gods, because he said, God was your king. He says that in those very words. So God was the king before Saul. And they said, we want a king. What in the world happened to that? Something's wrong with the metal on it. I have to get something to hang it up there with. Anyway. Huh? What? I don't know what he's saying. Oh, I know that, but I like to use that, Mike. I know it's on the screen. But when you look at the screen, it's all there in a row. Now, it's what they did while they were under those kings. They were told as they were going into the wilderness, when Moses led them into the wilderness, the wilderness is this... He led them out of Egypt. We've all seen movies on it. Now, Israel, when they left Egypt... This is where they were. This is the beginning of the 40 years in the wilderness. Here's the wilderness right down here. That is that little V-shape. Do I have a better picture? This is the wilderness. It's like they cross the Red Sea. They come into the wilderness, come down here to Sinai, they wander off up here and go up to Kadesh Bar. Now this is it right here. Excuse me. I got. I need a bigger picture of it. Hold on a second. I've got to be able to. I got to find my. I can't find these people. Here is. Mount Sinai, this is the wilderness right here. They were 40 years in this wilderness. Here is Egypt. They came across the Red Sea, went into the wilderness. That's a picture of our life in the wilderness. Then they left there and came up and crossed just above the Dead Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is up here. 
and then the Jordan River runs down into the Dead Sea. And they they were in that wilderness, and God told them, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, if you go after other gods, I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. That will come over and over and over again, and the last judgment I'll send is the beast. And that's what God sent. He would send the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear. It's, that's the reason it's called the beast. The Persian bear, the Grecian leopard, and the beast with the iron teeth. And that was Rome that overthrew all these others. That's Rome. Well, they kept going after these gods. So God finally scatters northern Israel in 722. Southern Judah, I've already told you, God split the nations because he split Israel into two nations because of Solomon's... I'll just turn this around. Because of Solomon's sin of keeping... He married 700 wives and 300 concubines, which is secondary wives. And he, and because of that, God split the nation under his son Rehoboam. And then all of the men of southern Judah, those are legitimate kings that come out of Solomon and David. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. You have to be of the tribe of Judah to be a legitimate king. So these are all legitimate kings except for Athaliah who was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And because Ahab ran around with Jehoshaphat, his son Jehoram sees the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel one night, says she's hot and I want her. So he marries her. She comes down into southern Israel or Judah and he marries her and she kills off all of the seed royal except one Joash. And that, and then, of course, she's killed uh, later on in the book. Now, I'm, this is something I've spent my life studying. It's something I don't have any doubt about. When the Bible says, and because God scattered northern Israel and southern Judah for worshiping Baal and the grove, Baal was the sun god, and he was represented by the fire upon the earth, and the grove was the tree goddess. She was represented by the tree and by the moon. By the moon. So whenever you get into moon worship, that's where you have the crescent moon of all the Arab nations. That's on their flags, that's on the fezes of the, of the, uh, Masons, the Masonic Shriners, and so God scatters them for this worship here, what they did while they were a nation. The Bible says, I've said this so many times I can't count, Revelation 17 and 5, that Babylon was the mother of harlots. The word harlot is the word pornea. And it means idolatry. Idolatry is the word ido. Lolatria. It means to serve latruo. 
what you see, Ido, if you fill your eyes and your ears with the wrong thing, that's what you will eventually begin to serve. Now, we've been talking about how was this judgment brought about with what Israel did. God tells Daniel when he's in the captivity, he is in the captivity in southern in Babylon that took over southern Judah. Judah. So evidently Daniel was living in Judah. And Daniel has a has a prophecy from the Lord of Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven. That is one of the most prolific prophecies of the end of time that's in all the Bible. Now let's go back there. And most, if you ask most preachers, what do you think about the 70 weeks of Daniel? They'll say, well, I have never studied that. Uh, I'll just have to take my time to do that. They don't know anything about it. It's very complicated It's not so much complicated, it's just detailed. Now, here's what God says to Daniel. He sends the angel Gabriel at the time of the evening oblation. The oblation was the bread offering that was offered every evening at approximately 6 o'clock or sundown. It was offered every morning in Israel right in front of the temple. If this was the temple, there's the veil. Here's the table of showbread. There's the altar of incense. There's the candlesticks. Here is the altar. And there's the there's the brazen sea where the priests washed after they offered their sacrifices. They offered every morning at approximately 6 o'clock or sunup. 6 o'clock in the evening, they had a lamb. And they had a bread offering that they called an oblation. A bread. So at the time of the evening offering of the bread, Gabriel comes to Daniel, and Daniel has been agonizing all through this book, all through this ninth chapter, through the ninth chapter, and Daniel has been studying Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, and he's studying this 23rd chapter where the Bible speaks of God. Uh, telling Israel in Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 29, I'm going to put you over in Israel. You went for for 490 years without celebrating your sabbatical year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You'll find this sabbatical year It'll tell you all about it in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. Well, in Leviticus 25, the Bible says, every seven years, you've got to leave the land alone completely. You don't touch it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have to leave it alone. You can't plant and you can't reap anything. It'll be left alone for the poor for the needy and anybody who wants to walk out there in the field and anything that grows of itself they can pick and they can they cannot harvest anything 
That is the same reason I keep saying for crop rotation out in the West, if some guy owns a track of land and he's a big farmer and he's got a thousand acres, he cannot plant them every year. He's got to get a farm agent to come out because when you plant crops, it sucks the nutrients out of the land. What do you think Israel went through going for 490 years, 70 sets of these sabbatical years? Had 70 sets of them. They didn't like it because God said they had to leave the land alone. They couldn't reap anything. They couldn't plant anything that year. They said, we're not going to do that. We'll just find us some other gods. So they found Bel in the grove and Shemash and Molech. And those were all fertility gods. Our God is the fertility God. He said, if you'll abide by my commandments, he said, I'll fill your basket and your store and your fields and your storehouse will be running over with grain. But if you don't, I'm going to send the sword, the famine. The famine is no rain or too much rain. He said, I'll send you too much rain in the, in the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel and your crops will mildew. And they said, oh, please don't do that. But they would not listen. They were, they were not any different than America here is in the 21st century. Not any different. Preachers don't care what the Bible says. They're not going to do what God says. And they don't care what the Bible says that we're not supposed to do the ordinances. Christmas is the ordinances of the pagans. You know what Israel was doing when they were going after all these gods? They were doing Christmas under an ancient pagan name. That's what they were doing. They were doing Christmas under the name of Baal and the Grove because that's the fire worship. That's the same system that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. And eventually he renamed the Feast of Saturn He made it a so-called holy day. And then in the 330s, Pope Julius I gave Christ's Mass its pagan name. Christ Mass. That's what it is. It's nothing but that. So, everything, if Israel... If Babylon was the mother of all idolatry, then Babylon was the mother of idolatry that Constantine brought in the church to rename Christmas. And it has to have the same source as Israel's gods they went after. If Babylon mothered it all, this matches up with this. Can you see that? that does, that's not even hard to figure out. If Babylon mothered it all and she was founded on let us make us a name. The word name is Shem and it means authority. We'll make up our own doctrine. And that's what they did, the fire and tree worship. What's so amazing, most of those fire gods were considered to be virgin born. Addis, uh, all the male deities, Addis, A-T-T-Y-S, A-T-T-I-S, and they were all virgin born. Addis was said to be born in a cave near Jerusalem 
or near Bethlehem, excuse me. And he had 12 followers that followed him, and he was said to be virgin-born. And that was long before Jesus was born. Why would God allow that to happen? Because he wanted to confuse the people that were not elect of God. So Addis or any of the other male deities, Baal, they were Hercules, they're all considered to be virgin born. Now, let's look back here at Daniel 9. The angel Gabriel comes to Daniel about the time of the evening oblation. Says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. I hate to have to call that Jerusalem. It's heavenly Jerusalem, the church. To, to do six things. When these six things are done, then the end of time will be. First of all, to finish the transgression of Israel going after all these gods. I knocked something down. I don't know what it was. It was to finish the transgression of Israel. To make an end of Israel's sins. To make reconciliation for iniquity. That's payback. That's payment. Reconciliation, kafar, is the same word, atonement. You've got to atone when you do some crime and the police catch you. You've got to atone for your sin by serving some time in prison or with your life. Well, Jesus atoned for our sin. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. There won't be everlasting righteousness till the end of time. And to seal up or to stop the vision and prophecy. All the visions have to come to a halt at the end of these six points. And to anoint the most holy. The most holy was the inner sanctuary of the temple. That was called the house of God where the Ark of the Covenant was, because that's where he came down from the cloud and set upon the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's anointing the most. When the last one comes into the fold, that's when the last trumpet sounds, there in Daniel, in uh, Revelation 10 and 7, and that's when the end comes. Now, what we're talking about is this, is this 25th verse. Know therefore... And understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince. I'm not going to go through as much as I've gone through. Let me just let me just take this off. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. That's in Nehemiah, the second chapter. I'm not going to go through that again. Get the other DVDs. Unto Messiah, the Prince which is Jesus in Luke 19. And it's also in Matthew and Mark. When Jesus comes in Jerusalem as the prince to be crowned king, crowned king, they're shouting this before him. They're throwing, they're throwing these palm trees, branches ahead of him. That's what they did to a king when he came into a town. Throwing the palm branches in front of him. And they're saying, Hosanna. 
Hosanna means God save the king. Hosanna. This one in. Hosanna. God save the king. Instead, they take him and four days later, four days later, they crucify him as the Passover lamb. And that's when the 70th week from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem shall be seven weeks, three score. These are weeks of years. It's not actually the word weeks. In Daniel's, it's the word Shabua. It means sevens. Seventy sevens are determined on your people. Sixty-nine of the sevens, sixty-nine of the weeks will end at Messiah. It starts in Nehemiah 2. It ends at Messiah the Prince. Then you have a 2,000-year period of the church, spiritual Israel. Then at the end of time, I believe with all my heart, is that 70th week. What we're talking about is the 70th week. I believe we're headed right towards it. With all of the corruption in the world, with the preachers lying, with the politicians all lying, I don't believe in in Trump or Biden. I don't believe in any of them. I don't believe in Ronald Reagan. I don't believe in George Bush Sr. or Jr. I don't believe in Bill Clinton. I don't believe in any of them. I believe they're all out there for their own agenda whatever can make them famous or make their kids famous and make them rich. Don't believe in any any politicians. I don't suggest, whenever I, I, whenever I say something about the coronavirus, I don't believe in taking sides with any of those guys. Now, now from the going forth commandment, when we've been talking about the 70th week, how are we going to know when it is? It is expressed in all of these ways. It's expressed anytime you find. You have to connect Daniel 9.27 with the 70th week. And you'll come up with a way of expressing the 70th week. It has to be, first of all, it has to be at the end of time because these six things have to happen in Daniel 9.24. Sin has to be ended. Righteousness has to be here forever. And God has to teach His people. This whole book, it was about a family starting with Adam, going all the way down to Noah, and his son, our uh, his son uh, Shem, and our faxed down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's all one family. And then Jacob having these twelve sons. And then God giving the the land to Abraham, and then passing it on to Isaac and Jacob. And then they end up in they end up going after Baal in the grove when they get into Israel, which is the same thing as Christmas. people will say, what's wrong with doing Christmas if we do it for Jesus? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. 
put it up here. Customs. The customs that would lead you away. The scripture says in Leviticus 18, 30 and 31. Therefore shall you keep mine ordinance that you commit not any one of these abominable customs. Stinking customs. And he says again over there in Deuteronomy, when you come into the land, Deuteronomy 12, I love this because this says it like it is. He says in Deuteronomy 12 and verse and verse 30, take heed to your to thyself, Israel. Remember, this is Deuteronomy. They're just about to cross the Jordan River. I told you that earlier. Take heed to thyself, that thou be not snared by following these pagans in the land from before thee, and that thou not inquire after their gods, saying, I don't want you to say this. Actually, it's a question. How did these nations serve their gods? What was their customs? What were their rituals? God says, I don't want you even knowing how they did it, much less doing their customs. The customs of the people are vain there in Jeremiah 10. They take a tree out of the forest. They decorate it with silver and gold. They put it on a platform. That's the Christmas tree if it's anything. Now, so when you get back over here to Deuteronomy 25, uh, to Daniel 25, you go to verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. A one week of years. That is the 70th week. He's told you about the 69 weeks in verse 25. Seven weeks, three score, two weeks. 69 weeks are 483 years. There's 490 years to the 70 weeks. So he says, in the midst of the week, this man of sin will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And that confuses people because... They're saying, well, these ignorant so-called prophecy teachers say, well, we're going to have, they're going to have to build a temple on the Temple Mount. And they're going to have to start offering lambs on the Temple Mount. You can't do that on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is Islam. That's the church of the of the rock. The dome of the rock is there. The dome of the rock that is Muslim. You want to try to build a temple there, you're going to have to go war with all the Muslim nations to offer a sacrifice there. Besides that, all of those sacrifices were done away in Christ when he was nailed to the cross. People don't know how important this verse is. Colossians 2.14 Blotting out I can get that messed up. Colossians 2.14 Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, all of the rituals 
were blotted out of the temple. All of that is gone. It's blotted out. No more high priest. Do we have a high priest now? Yes. Jesus is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And like Hebrews 7 says, he comes from a different tribe. Different tribe. But he is the priest and the king. He's a different tribe than the other priests. They came from the tribe of Judah. Not Judah. They came from the tribe of Levi. And this new priest comes from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the line of Judah. He's the priest and the king now. But all the rituals of this temple were blotted out. They no longer sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant. Our hearts are sprinkled. This was called the house of God. And the Bible says we are the house of God. Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? All of this Old Testament ritual has been blotted out, nailed to his cross. I'll say it one more time. I'll probably say it more than that. When you did away with one contract, you'd take the contracting parties and the two witnesses to the contract out in public. says, everybody's in agreement. We're going to invalidate this contract. They'd say, yes. Then take a nail and drive it through the original contract, which invalidated in their courts of law in the first century. So that was Jewish law. And that would hold up in their courts, just like we notarize a paper. So they blotted out all those. How can they build a temple on the Temple Mount when that was blotted out when Jesus was nailed to the cross? Huh? Can anybody tell me that? That's crazy. Besides that, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, says that Jesus was the one sacrifice offered once, once for all. No more sacrifices but him. Now, so if he's the only sacrifice, anybody that offered a sacrifice in a linear temple built by man's hands would be a stink in God's nostrils. That would offer a lamb in this temple that if they could build it, which they can't, because they'd have to throw out all the Arabs out of that temple. What's the temple of God now? It's us. What's the sacrifice now? We give our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That's what it is there. So it's not he's going to stop, he's going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. I believe the time will come when they will tell us we cannot witness in public and give our bodies a living sacrifice. What would be the bread, the oblation? We, we being many are one bread and one body. That's us. We're the bread because Christ is in us. I believe we're headed down the line to the end of time. Now what I'm going to do is go back to where I was. I've got on this paper here, I nearly every time, I guess it's every time that the Bible is mentioning the sacrifice at the middle of the week. The week's going to be split in two according to Daniel 9.27. 
He's going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease in the middle, in the middle of the 70th week. In the middle of the 70th week, there's going to be three and a half years and three and a half years. Or it's expressed this way. 1260 days. So everywhere you've got 1,000, 1,000, Two hundred. This is the way it'll say it. Two hundred and three score. Three score days. That's one thousand twelve hundred sixty is one half of seven years on a Jewish. 360 day year calendar their days have 360 days our days has 365 but we have a leap year they don't have any leap years they just add the days back ever, ever so many years now we've got to look, keep looking at It'll either say 1,203 score days or it will say 42 months. That's half of 84 months, which is one half. One half of seven years on a 360-day Jewish calendar. So it'll have 42 months. Or it will have a time times and half of times or it will say dividing of times that's three and a half years that's what it is and that's not even disagreed upon so as we go through this what I want us to do is go back to the 11th chapter and I'm just going to read a couple of verses I've already in the 11th chapter of Revelation if you get a hold of the 70 weeks you're going to know more than any preacher in the state I've been preaching this since 1964 started studying it that long ago and I have looked at I've got probably 20 books on the 70 weeks of Daniel that I don't even agree with the guys. I get something out of them. I like Mr. Uh, Alvin McLean's book on the 70 weeks, and I like Harold Horner's uh, chronological aspect of the life of Christ. I like some of the things they say, but not everything. Go back to Revelation. Now, this is going to show you I'm just going to read these things to you. 11th chapter, and you've got the 42 months in verse 2. The courts which is outside the temple leave out. 
That's talking about the temple was built like so. It had this protective fence around it. And then it had the court of the Gentiles. And they called it the women's court also. Women's court. And they could not go in here and partake. The only people who could be inside of this area here was the sons of Levi. That's the third son of Jacob. And that was all the priesthood. And you had to be a son of Aaron, who was a Levite, to be a high priest to go in there on the tenth day of the seventh month, tenth day, and offer a offer a the blood of a goat that was on this altar here on this altar all this altar here and offer the blood of a goat on the tenth day of the seventh month that was the day of atonement now then we read on in the third well let's read it in this in this second verse and measure not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread under foot Forty and two months. But the holy city is not talking about literal Jerusalem. Because in verse 9 of this chapter, he calls literal Jerusalem, I mean verse 8, the dead bodies of the two witnesses, which we've already found out is the priest and the king. King. And the priest and king were the two anointed ones, and that's the two witnesses or the two olive trees. The two olive trees you'll have to you get a hold of last week's message. Two olive trees equals the two witnesses. And you're going to see that in Zechariah, the fourth chapter. So the two olive trees are the two witnesses. They're the two anointed ones that represent God in the earth. And the two that represented God was the priest and the king. And the king. And God hath made us priests and kings in Revelation, the first chapter, Revelation, the fourth chapter. So we are the two witnesses. And this chapter is about the two witnesses, which is you and I, the church. Priests offer acceptable sacrifice. That's what we do in Revelation, and uh, excuse me, in Romans 12 and 1. We give our bodies a living sacrifice. And kings declare righteous judgment. John seven twenty four, Christ is in us and we declare righteous judgment. So, so we see that in verse 3, and I give power unto my two witnesses, that's the church, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now we've gone through this chapter. I'm reading that just to review. Now I want us to go over here to chapter 12. You're going to find this several times in chapter 12. You're going to find down here in 12 and 7 and 12 and 6 let's read 6 and 7 and verse 14 6 
And the woman fled into the wilderness. What woman? The woman that is talking about in verse 1. It's not talking about Mary. It's talking about Israel. Because Mary didn't flee into an ill wilderness. So read verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. That's talking about Mary. That's not talking about Mary. That's talking about Israel that was called a virgin. The Bible says in Isaiah, the Isaiah, the seventh chapter, that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Isaiah, you've got to get back over here. But the virgin is not talking about Mary, even though she was a virgin. This is talking about in Isaiah, the seventh chapter, in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse evil and choose good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. Talking about northern Israel and southern Judah. Now go back over here. So this is talking about Israel mainly because of some of the verses that come after this. She was the virgin, and she did conceive. And she, being with child, cried, having having in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, and ten horns. The great red dragon has seven heads and ten horns. Well, that matches up with verse 1 of chapter 13, the next chapter. Let's read that verse, because as we go, we're going to have to do this. So that matches up. So if you can define what 13 and 1 is, you know what 12 and and 3 is. Verse 1 of chapter 13, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. That's talking about the beast that rises out of the sea. Oh, let me get over here where I, one of my favorite pictures to preach on. All right. This is the sea. It's the Mediterranean Sea. They called it the Great Sea. They didn't know anything about the Atlantic Ocean. They didn't know what was beyond it. So the Bible lands is all in this area right here from the Strait of Gibraltar over to over to uh, Persia, which is the same thing as Iran. This is Babylon. The, that's, that's Iraq. And then 
this this is what part of the beast this is the babylonian lion the persian bear the grecian leopard and the beast with iron teeth rome that subjugates these others the subjugate means to put them in subjection so where was i and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered and there appeared another wonder in heaven, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. Now remember, a head was a capital city of an empire. Capital city. You can look up the word mount in the M volume on McClinic and Strong. And it'll tell you a mountain was a capital city. It was the same thing as a head. And it's the same thing as horns. Because they were all powers. Now, then he says, So evidently the beast rising up out of the sea is the same thing as the dragon. Now remember that word dragon is the word dracon. means to fascinate it doesn't mean just a snake it means to fascinate how can a beast world system rise up how can a beast world system rise up unless it can convince people c-i-n-a-t-e means to fascinate has basically the same meaning as serpent in the third chapter of Genesis Nakash Nakash means to enchant or to make you feel good or to kill with the eye she looked and she died because she partook. So the, whatever this dragon is, that's the same thing as the beast comes up out of the sea, has seven heads and ten horns. Well, it tells you who it is in verse 2 of chapter 13. The beast which I saw was like a leopard. Oh, leopard is Greece. Is Greece or the Grecian commander Alexander the Great. And then it says, and his feet, except it doesn't say his, it says A U T O U. All two can either be masculine, masculine, or neuter gender. It has to follow the gender of the antecedent. The antecedent is is always the noun or pronoun that a pronoun refers back to. The beast is the antecedent. The beast is to therion. It is neuter gender, and that should be every time you see he or his or him, should be its. It's the same beast 
of Daniel 7. It is a, a lion, a leopard, and a bear, and the beast with iron teeth. The beast with iron teeth is Rome. The bear is Persia. The leopard of Greece is, that is Greece, or Alex the Great, and the lion is Babylon. Here's the beast right here. Babylon, Iraq, Persia, Iran, Afghanistan, and all the stands. Greece, Alexander the Great, from Macedon, which is northern Greece, and Rome, the beast with iron teeth. And it all comes up out of the sea. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? So therefore, when you're talking about the dragon that fascinates, you're talking about the same thing as the dragon gave it its power, its seat, and its great authority. It says dragon there in verse 2 of chapter 13, doesn't it? The dragon, the fascinator, gave this beast its power and its authority. It's the same dragon of verse 3 of chapter 12. Let's go back to chapter 12, verse 3. So we have eliminated. You've always got to look at the beast in Daniel 7. It's Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. And they're the ones that carried Israel into captivity. And they're the ones that beat Israel up for 2,600 years. And they're the ones that are going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease in the middle of the 70th week and then rise up at the three-and-a-half-year point and start persecuting the church again. Now look back over here in verse 2, verse 3 of chapter 12. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. you got to remember, gosh, do I need to go into all this? Back up to chapter, I'm not, not backing up, we're going to go back over here to verse 3 of chapter 13. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death. Well, that has been a verse that's been on all the so-called prophecy teachers' lips. Oh, when I was 24, that's when John Kennedy got shot. In fact, Lee Harvey Oswald and I were the same age. I didn't shoot Kennedy, though. (laughs) Uh, We were the same age, and... And I was 24 when he shot. And all the Baptist preachers around Fort Worth were saying, well, Kennedy is the beast and he's going to rise up having been shot in the head. Stupid, stupid bunch of independent Baptists. Ignorant. John Kennedy was the beast because he was a Roman Catholic. Stupid. One of the heads was wounded unto death and his deadly wound was healed. A head was a capital city. Read that under Mount in the M volume of McClellan and Strong. A head was a capital city. Head. Capital city. 
Let me show you something Mr. Hislop tells us. Let me erase this. Mr. Hislop, in his book, The Two Babylons, he will tell you that two of the popes rose up. Pope means Papa. Papa, that's what it means. It means the early, the early church fathers were called the popes of the church, but they weren't Roman Catholic popes. They were papas or church fathers. So, Mr. Hislop tells us that two of these papas rose up and they would not wear the robes of this head of this fire worship where they would have to go in and offer sacrifices to some fire god, fire worship. You'll find this in the two Babylons. And he said there were two two of the popes that would not wear these robes of the Pontifex Maximus. That is the very title of the Pope, Supreme or Maximum High Priest, Maximum Pontiff. That's what he was. One of the one of the men's name was Numa and Gratian. I believe that this is the wound that was healed. They outlawed the fire worship. What they did later on, when the fire worship was brought into the church, the feast of Saturn, which was the fire worship of Rome, they brought it into the church, into the Roman Catholic Church. And the wound that was healed was because they just simply changed the name of the fire worship and the pontifex. They kept the name for the high priest of the fire worship. And they said Numa and Gratian wouldn't wear those robes and offer sacrifices to fire gods. So they brought it all into the Roman Catholic Church. And they changed the name of the Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia. into Roman Catholicism or into Christ Mass. Christmas is very evil and very wicked. It is the Mass of Roman Catholicism. And what they did when they brought it into the church, he said they simply took the the statues and the niches. A niche is when you're walking through one of their halls and they'll have a little niche and a statue there. And then you're going down the hall, and you'll have another one. This might be Jupiter. And this here might be Mary. They simply changed the name of Jupiter to Peter and changed Mary's name, changed Aphrodite to Mary. Aphrodite that's the wound that was healed the one that was healed was where it was fire worship 
and they just kept the same rituals and began to call it Christ Mass or Roman Catholicism. And then they had all of this. They simply brought all of this fire worship into the church, Roman Catholic Church, changed the name, and that was the wound that was healed, and so forth. And it goes on and on around Catholicism. I can't tell you all the names of all of them. Mary, the Mary of Roman Catholicism, the reason they pray to Mary is because they say she can she can reduce or assuage which means to stop the anger of Christ Christ doesn't have any anger that means that Mary is the mediator between God and man. The Bible says, Jesus, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And Aphrodite means wrath subduer. She could do the same thing in the fire worship that the Mary of Roman Catholicism can do now. So they pray to Mary to get her to assuage the wrath of Jesus here. She's praying to him. And that's not we pray our Father which art in heaven. Jesus doesn't have wrath to us. He's got compassion on us. So, and and Malita, that was another name for the female deity, which it meant female mediator or mediatrix a mediatrix is a female mediator that's why they pray to Mary so they can stop the wrath of Jesus of destroying us all and he doesn't have the wrath the father has the wrath and we pray and Jesus he intercedes for us and that goes into a lot of in depth there were there was a the beast had seven heads or seven capital cities and the bible will tell you over there in the 17th chapter i won't go through it in great deal but it says in the 17th chapter in verse 8 the beast that thou sawest was and is not it was at one point, but it had the deadly wound that it was healed. That's crazy to think that's the head of a man because that would mean somebody have to get an axe or something, hit that man in the head, and he'd start bleeding all over the place. It's crazy. It's not a man, it's a capital city. And then it says, The beast that was and is not shall ascend out of the place of no knowledge, bottomless pit, Bottomless pit is the word abusos, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. It's our word abyss, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. It comes from bathos, or bathizo would be the verb, 
and the Alpha Privilege in front of it. The Alpha Privilege negates it. Bathos means something with great knowledge. The Alpha Privilege negates the word and means no knowledge. That's very important to understand because nobody in the world had any knowledge of God except Israel. That's it. So the beast comes up out of the bottomless pit, the sea of no knowledge with here's Greece, there's Rome, here's Babylon, there's Persia. It's really all on a map of the first century. It's that simple. You, you, too many of these preachers are making this stuff difficult when it's not. If they would divine bottomless pit, the funny thing, in Revelation 11, the beast comes out of the place of no knowledge or the bottomless pit bottomless pit and then in Revelation 9 the scorpions come out of the bottomless pit and in Revelation 20 20 Satan is bound Dio forbidden and he's put in the, he's chained in the bottomless pit. He's not chained a little chain. He is bound. Bound is the word dio. It means to forbid. He's put in the place of no knowledge and forbidden from deceiving God's Israel. This is the only place of knowledge of God in the Middle East in the ancient world was Israel they had a knowledge of God they had all these sun and tree gods all over the Mediterranean I don't know how anybody can even teach this without looking at a map it's not hard they all come out of the place of no knowledge out of the sea if everybody would find out what a head is it's just it's funny to me that in Daniel 7, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome is an it. And they try to make it a him in Revelation 13, and it's not. Even in the interlinear Bible, anytime you get into Revelation 13, it'll call the beast it, not him. That's a bad translation by the Roman Catholic translators that translated the King James Bible. It's a bad translation. They know that it has to follow the gender of the antecedent. Antecedent is not hard. You've, you've learned something about an antecedent. Antecedent, the easiest way to explain it is to say an antecedent Jim went to the store. He bought a loaf of bread. 
the antecedent of he is Jim. It's the it's the noun or pronoun that a pronoun refers back to. That's all it is. It's real simple. He, Jim. I can't say she. I can't say it. Jim is not an it. It's he, bought a loaf of bread. That's the antecedent of he. If you can remember this, then it's real easy to understand. The beast was like a lion bearing leopard. It. And people say, you're smarter than those translators. I don't think it's so much smarter. I think it's just I'm not as sneaky as they were. I think the Roman Catholic translators, the translators were led. The head translator was a Roman Catholic priest of the King James Bible. If you'll get God's secretaries and read that, it'll introduce you to Lancelot Andrews right in the front of the book. The head translator. It's just, it's crazy. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? 22. All right, let me see how much further I can get in this. All right, let's go back to Revelation 17. Not 17, 12. Go back to 12. There appeared in verse 3, appeared another wonder in heaven. It was the red dragon and seven heads and ten horns. I'll talk about the ten horns later. That takes me a while to get into that. I've hinted on it last week. I believe the ten horns are the ten northern tribes of Israel because they're the ones that brought in. When Ahab allowed his 700, not, not Ahab, when Ahab allowed his wife to bring in her gods into northern Israel, that's when he made temples for Bell in the Grove. Because of that, God destroyed Ahab and Jezebel. And I was going to say something, I forgot what it was. Look here in verse 4. And this dragon, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Somebody asked me in an email today, uh, how many angels were fallen with Satan? A third of the stars of heaven. And did cast them to the earth. i got to tell you something before I go further on this. One thing you have to learn, you got to learn to look at the idiomatic language. Turn over to the 37th chapter of Genesis. Stars is what... Remember I said last week, heavens was the ruling class. To the Jews, there were three heavens. There was the heavens above us, the atmosphere where the birds fly, and the stratosphere where the rockets go out and the guys go to the moon. Then they had... And they had the heavens where God was, and we don't know where that was, if it was in another dimension. But the main thing, you always got to look at the context. Heaven was the ruling class, and Israel was called the heavens. You got to look at the context as whether it's the heavens where God is, whether it's the heavens where the birds fly, or whether it's the ruling class. And the reason they were called the heavens is God said, 
if you keep my commandments, my statutes, and he said, you'll follow them, you can go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways. And it don't matter how many there are, you can conquer the world. You'll be the ruling class. You'll be the heavens. Now let's get back here. Verse 4. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Oh, I was going to show you something over here in, in Genesis. To show you that people are called stars and moons. You go to Genesis, the 37th chapter. Genesis 37th chapter. Joseph had had his some of his dreams and he goes to tell them to his brothers and they don't like it because they're 37th chapter. All right. He has these dreams about, look at verse 5. Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. He was only 17 years old when this happened. And he said to them, Here I pray you this dream which I dream. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And that's going to happen when he gets sold into Egypt and he promoted up to number two in Egypt by the Pharaoh because he interprets his dreams. And his brethren said to him, Thou shalt indeed reign over us. You think you're going to reign over us, Joseph? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? We're your older brothers. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. He had eleven brethren. He's referring to them and his father as the sun and his mother as the moon. And he told it to his father and his brethren and his father. Who was Joseph's father? Jacob. Rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I as the sun and thy mother as the moon and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth that's enough said about that I just want to show you that that was a picture of the stars being rulers and we read about the heavens last week how the heavens ruled over everything now let's get back to the 12th 12th chapter of Romans not Romans, Revelation. Starts with an R. Now, his tail drew the third of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. That's chapter, verse 4 of chapter 12, Revelation. And the dragon, the one with seven heads and ten horns, stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. That's Babylon wanting to destroy Jesus. What's amazing is Vulcan in mythology devoured his children as soon as they were born. Vulcan comes from Baal 
Kahan. Kahan is priests of Baal. Vulcan was the volcano god. And it devoured his children as soon as they were born. And she brought forth a man-child. This woman brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Who is that that this woman brought forth? Nothing but Jesus, right? And the child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That's a picture of Christ being crucified and taken up there in the first chapter of Acts to God and his throne. Now, we know this can't be Mary bringing forth the child because of what it says here and what it says in the following verses. And the woman fled into the wilderness. The woman, the virgin, the mother of the child, which was Israel, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. There's that 70th week of Daniel 70 weeks. That is the last half of it. Remember that? And there was war in heaven. I've talked about this so much. There's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. It's in heaven. So that has to be a picture of Satan in the in the 28th chapter Ezekiel, who's equated with Belshazzar. Excuse me. He's equated with the prince of Tyre. And the dragon fought and his angels. And prevail not, neither was there found any more in heaven. And the dragon was cast out of heaven. That has to be a type of Satan in that 28th chapter of Isaiah, he was the, it speaks of him as being in the garden with God. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil Diabolos. We don't talk about that much. Diabolos comes from Dia and Balo. Balo is our word ball. Means to throw. And dia means the method of throwing down. And Satan, 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 or Satanos in the Greek, Satanos in the Greek means adversary. The adversary of God, the enemy of God. That's so amazing because if you're friends with the real world, you're an enemy of God. There in James 4 and 4. And then he says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. Satan was cast into the earth, but what happened to his fallen angels? They were locked into hell until the judgment. And his angels were cast out with him, but they wouldn't cast into the earth. When you go back to, you go back over here to Second Peter, the second chapter, 
it'll tell you what happened to them. Second Peter in verse second chapter verse four. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, Tartarus T A R T A R U S. Tartarus, that's the only time it's mentioned in the Bible. The only time. How do you know? Did you read all the verses? No, you, if you got a word study concordance, you look up Tartarus, it's one time in there. One. And he cast them down to Tartarus, which is supposed to be the lowest pit of hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness. They're chained in hell to be reserved unto judgment. Tereo is the word reserved. It means they are held there, guarded by God. So the fallen angels are in Tartarus. They're not roaming around the earth, and they're not demons. They're fallen angels. It, it, I don't need to get on that. It just frustrates me, people thinking that. Now let's go back over here. Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I believe Satan is in our flesh. The fact that he was cast out into the earth, something happens to the earth. When you want to find out where Satan was cast into the earth, you go back as far in the Bible as you can go and look for the nature of Satan. That's what you do. The place you have to go is Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In verse 2, you'll see the nature of Satan. I'm going to say it one more time. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How much time do I have, Mike? Nine. Nine. I'll just give you a little bit of this. God created... Create is a righteous word. Create. Bara. Comes the word bereth. Bereth is the word covenant. Bara is righteous because it means to cut and make fat. Now, fat to the Jews was not this cellulite on the side of your stomach that you get when you get to be in your 40s. That's not it. Fat was the richest of the land, the richest of the cattle, the richest of cattle of the land. And then the Bible says in verse 2, Let's read that together. The Bible says, after it says, In the beginning God created, and the earth was without form and void and darkness. There's the nature of Satan. When Michael the archangel, when you're reading Revelation, especially about the woman, it's a panoramic view of all time. Panoramic comes from Pan. Pan was the god of all 
in the average world, when you pan an audience with a camera, you cover all the audience. And the earth was without form, void, and darkness. Was on the face of the deep. That's the very nature of Satan. Without form, tohu means worthless. That's exactly opposite of create. Because you go into Isaiah 45 and 18. Isaiah 45 and 18. The Bible says everything that God created, He created nothing. Nothing in vain in vain is the word tohu he did not create in vain tohu the creation was some time could have been millions of years of years before verse 2 One thing we know, if darkness was on the face of the deep, when when God created the stars out here, all of the stars, light travels at 186,000 miles per second not per hour, travels 186,000 miles per second. It takes eight and one half minutes for light to get to us from our sun. It takes four and one half years for light to get here from to us from the nearest star. Four and a half years from the nearest star nearest star four and a half years some stars out there the light has been traveling for millions of light years traveling at this speed for it to get to the earth. Some of the stars do look out there at night and see they've been burnt out for thousands of years. So when the earth is without form and void and darkness is on the face of the deep, face is surface. That means this light that has been shining for all these millions of years been shining is bouncing off some crust around the earth. That's what Satan made. That's He made the earth without form and void and darkness. And then God picks up this, this corrupt dust. The Bible says it's corrupt. That the stars are not clean. The moon is not clean. And he picks this corrupt dust and makes Adam out of it and says, Thou shalt not eat of that tree 
And the day you do, you will die. He didn't say if you eat. He had to eat. He's made of corrupt dust. A lot of people don't like this, what they call gap theory. That's the only thing that makes sense at all. Makes no sense to say, well, there's stars. God created the stars. What are they good for unless they can get... You've got to have the stars and the moon to have the tides and everything exactly right upon the earth. I believe the earth is millions of years old. And where do these dinosaur bones come from? they got in these museums all over the world. That's insane to say. We're only 6,000 years old, like Jerry Falwell used to say. He's an ignoramus. Do I have any time? Well, at least we got that in. And I love teaching on that first chapter of Genesis. Just like it's about the elect. We are innocent until until Satan comes into our life. We come to the age of accountability. And then God says somewhere along the way, let there be light. That's not when he quit created light he said let the light in that's a place of circumcision he used to open up the earth and let it shine in I don't know why I don't know a lot about chemistry and physics I know something about it and if I struggle with it I'll take out a physics book and look it up and I knew in high school that, that, that light traveled at 186,000 miles per second it doesn't even make any sense to say the earth is 6,000 years old like all those independent Baptist guys around. Stupid. When when Michael the Archangel cast Satan into the earth, he corrupted everything. The stars, the moon, everything. God's going to have to destroy all this. It's all corrupt. I'll stop here and come back and we'll try to get back to the rest of that I want to read all these verses about a time, time and half a time, 1260 days, 42 months. Because I believe that's at the end of time. It'll be when the church has been made perfect. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, help us to live right for you. Help the church. Help the church to be humble, meek, and gentle and kind to one another. That's that's the only thing that I've found out that works. Nothing else works. We'll give you praise for everything. Fight our battles for us. We've got a lot of people that want to destroy us. Fight our battles and help us to understand this book. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So is Tartarus and Hades the same thing? Well... Nobody can explain that. The only thing you can get out of Tartarus is the lowest of pits of hell. I guess it is. Hell is hell. Yeah. Hell is Aido, remember? Aido.